We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, LL Nation? We hope everybody had a fantastic weekend. Welcome in. It is the Lucky Lefty Podcast. I'm your boy, Sean Davis at SD2 Mics, the original Lucky Lefty himself, Malik Zaire. At Malik Zaire 8, we're brought to you by Anora Whiskey. AnoraWhiskey.com, that is that premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. And if you're going to drink, by all means, make sure that you drink responsibly you gotta drink responsibly left crazy weekend a day before the transfer portal opens officially we might have a special guest a little later in the show but we're going to talk about marcus freeman we're going to talk about the tax slayer gator bowl now we know that notre dame will be facing off against spencer rattler and the south carolina gamecocks We'll briefly talk about that matchup. We have plenty of time to dig into that as we approach that game on December the 30th down in Jacksonville, Florida. Then we're going to dig into some connected dots surrounding Drew Pine and his departure from Notre Dame. We did a full show giving our thoughts on the impact of his departure, why it happened. You can go check that out right now over at Apple Podcasts or Spotify, courtesy of CFB Nation, in conjunction with Irish Breakdown. You already know it's the Lucky Duffy Podcast. We spin it different. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On top of that left, some recruiting news to update. A little piece of intel that I dropped over on Iris Breakdown message board. We'll get into that. We'll also talk about Marcus Freeman moving forward, how he's handling the roster, and what this means for Notre Dame. I'll just say this. Everything has changed, bro. We'll talk about the CFP rankings, the top four, and how we view these semifinal matchups. I think they're both going to be good games. I really do. I think for the first time, we're going to get good games. The score might end up being double digits, but for the most part, I think for three quarters, two and a half quarters, they're going to be entertaining matchups. The semifinals, right? Yeah, the semifinals. Yeah, the semifinals. You better catch Georgia in the semifinals. Yeah, yeah, because when it gets to the finals, they're blowing whoever they meet in the finals out. Once again, shout out to LSU special teams, by the way. You're the best. (laughs) (laughs) Throw me on the petty (laughs) train. Man, talking about getting beat on all three phases. Coach Kelly experienced getting beat on all three phases. So we start off. Let's start with the CFP. Were you shocked? Because it seemed like once USC lost to Utah on Saturday night, which Utah basically did the exact same thing that Notre Dame could have done. Their quarterback just didn't make mistakes. That's exactly. That's that's really what happened. That's really they allowed their physicality to take over late in the game. And people complain like Notre Dame's offensive line wasn't able to run the ball. If you expected to run the ball from the first snap, then you didn't watch USC all year. You right. wear, you wear them down as the game goes on. You have to give your offensive line a chance to take over the game. The mistakes that Notre Dame made didn't give their offensive line a chance to do so late in the third and into the fourth quarter. And in the fourth quarter, USC just quit. USC USC didn't want no smoke after a while. It was getting too much. None. And the Magic Man had nothing left in his wand. Yeah, he uh, he was playing on one leg, and that's hard to do. You know, usually they say play with one hand tied behind your back, but it's harder when one leg is is stopping you from uh, running around. Yeah, yeah. Remind me to bookmark some things that we tried to avoid last week, but because of – Comments made on social media and how everything kind of resurfaced after losing the Pac-12 championship game. Well, I'll tap into it. If you want to tap into it, because we said we were going to avoid it. But I'm going to tap into it today. So USC loses, TCU loses. And we knew what the committee was trying to create. The committee was trying to create, and they wanted Big Ten SEC. They wanted two teams from both conferences. They knew the money getter. They, yes. they're, they're really hoping that Michigan, Ohio State, somehow getting that final matchup. That's this is gonna be the most watched game the most month, most of all season. Absolutely. It was the most watched game the last two seasons. So we noticed the money grab. They're just the college football committee is grateful and thankful yeah. that Utah handled business, so they didn't have to make no tough decisions. Absolutely. So. Then you see TCU go down. And what they were hoping is that TCU would lose by at least a touchdown 
or maybe even double digits. To make that easy too. Being that was that really opened the door. They were they wanted the back. They wanted to sneak Nick Saban in the back door. Yes. They wanted to. <laughs> they wanted to. That's why they put him in the sixth. They spot. said we want this to be Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama. Absolutely. They had that, and then then Max Dugan got to crying on TV. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when he got to crying on TV, he captured the nation. And they said, you know what? It'll be good for ratings. Put little uh, redhead Tim Tebow in there. That's what I was about to say. He pulled a Tim Tebow. He pulled a Tim Tebow. He absolutely pulled a Tim Tebow. And look, I have respect for TCU all year. I have respect for TCU. And we Kansas all told State, you, though, about Kansas State. Kansas, Kansas State, State just has that number. Like I said, Kansas State, if I'm not mistaken, was up double digits, double digits the majority of the first time they played. Yeah. So it was just a bad – that's a confident team. They were confident against TCU, and TCU struggles to stop the run. 66 nationally against the run. That's going to be a problem against Michigan. So, But they're just tough, man. They're resilient. That's what we said, right? This TCU team all year found ways to win games, low-scoring games, high-scoring games, holding on to leads, coming back from behind. They just found ways to win games, and they came up short. I mean, you could say them taking the knee and getting to overtime was probably a mistake, and they should have probably gone for the juggler at that time, but it is what it is. That's why you get 60 minutes or even more to win a game, and unfortunately they weren't able to pull it out. But I really felt like <laughs> the game being close, that the committee wanted so bad to sneak Alabama in, but there was no way. They could make any sense. There was no argument they could come out on national TV and present to the public to make the public feel like TCU didn't deserve to be in the top four. Yeah, they definitely they definitely could slip one of the two teams in with Ohio yes. State because they could throw the whole one loss thing. The band where they really, really wanted. I think Nick Saban did a great job uh, politicking on TV why they should be in there because he's right. If you look at all the teams that's above uh, Alabama or below Alabama or in consideration to get in over Alabama, which of those teams would be uh, have Alabama as an underdog? And I don't think any of them teams would be. So Nick Saban makes the logical explanation why. But politically, college football couldn't get past that Max Dugan story. I think it was just uh, ESPN did a great job of making it really emotional uh, for TCU to get in there. I think Kansas State, like we said before, the game was going to handle business. And, you know, one loss team, you know, technically you got to put them in there if you're going to put Ohio State in there. But it just shows that the college football committee is about a, a, a ratings and it's a business, which we all understand at this point. And if Notre Dame wasn't eight and four, we'll probably be considered in that top four as well. But with them moving to 12, it gives them plausible deniability. I know Notre Dame's going to be in that playoff every year, and this is the last year we got to deal with the politicized top four. Lucky Duffy podcast, we spin it different. Um, I told you we might have a special guest, and I think our big bro from CFB Nation, John Garcia Jr., is going to jump in because we got to talk about this transfer portal stuff. Bro. Oh, it's it's crazy. Devin Leary jumped in this morning. Yeah. It's, DJ Ungale jumped in. Jumped in. It's it's, it's crazy. And I understand why he jumped in. And we told you last week, it has not dropped yet, but we told you that Alabama was going to get a big-time quarterback. 
That's right. It's coming. That's all I have to say. Just wait and see. We warned you last week. Talks were ongoing with a big-time quarterback in Alabama. So we'll wait for that news to drop as well. That probably will be shocking to everyone. John Garcia joins us in a minute. We spend it different. So, yeah, now we have a top four. I think we're going to get semifinals that are pretty solid, right? And the championship game, I think, is going to be epic. Because either it's going to be Georgia against Michigan. I think it's going to be Georgia against Michigan, more than likely. And if they play TCU, TCU might hang around. For a second. Yeah, for a quarter and a half. But TCU's quarterback is no way, shape, or form ready for what Georgia's defense has. So he might make some splashes versus a Michigan team that I think mm-hmm. is still fraudulent. Yeah. Especially uh, defensively. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think this is Georgia's tournament to lose. I think they'll have a nice shock by Ohio State in the first couple quarters. But, you know, Georgia's going to get to run that football and Ohio State wants no smoke. So I don't know how Ryan Day is going to prepare for something that he knows is coming. But it's, if Michigan made it look bad, I mean, everything Georgia was running versus LSU just looked wide open. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. like, man, what a great play call. It'd be a handoff left. Everybody yeah. gets blocked. <laughs> yeah. They throw a bubble screen. They block the bubble screen. He's running for 30. Like, I mean, this is LSU. Yeah. Right, at least defense looking like a junior varsity out there. So it's it's uh it's it's literally unfair for what George is putting out there right now. Yeah, I agree with you. Man, look, let me tell you something. <laughs> and we can talk about this because there's still chatter about whether or not Michael Mayer is going to play in the Gator Bowl and some of the other seniors. Uh Brandon Joseph, who might go to the NFL or who you know, for some reason, might not have a spot on the roster. Here. <laughs> it's a seesaw. <laughs> we might get into that. Yeah. Um, there is a, a – I can tell you right now that Bryce and Will Anderson will have a decision on whether or not they're going to play. I can tell you a, an NFL team in front office that is backdoor having conversations – to let Will Anderson know, you can just sit down, dude. <laughs> dude I'm telling you right now. I'm, yeah. I'm telling you, you want to talk about intel? Yeah. You can intel? Yo, I'm telling you right now. It must, it must be from your bears. It hey, must be your hey, bears. Hey, bro. Hey, I'm just letting you know. <laughs> As we bring in my brother, John Garcia, State of Recruiting, CFB Nation, I'm telling you right now. Uh, I'm bears front office. Is calling agents and connecting to Will Anderson to tell him, "Hey, bro, you you good? good. <laughs> second pick, you locked in already. Like, no reason to play in the bowl game. We don't need to see anything. We don't right. need to you, yeah, we just need you to get here safe and sound. None of that. We don't need to come to your pro day. None of that. We can <laughs> we can fly you up right now. Hey, you thought you know, Zach Wilson was a for sure pick number two. Nah, right. this dude is a number two pick. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the only pushback would be if people within the office start, you know, offering up, man, Jalen Carter. That's it. It's yeah. just a matter of whether you go Will Anderson or Jalen Carter for the Bears. That's it. <laughs> it's done. It's done. Which is bad because I think they will have an opportunity 
to possibly fleece a couple of teams that want a quarterback that mm-hmm. want to come up because the quarterbacks might go like one, five, six, six. Yeah. or something crazy like that. Will Levis already said he's going to the league. So they have to fight that urge. Do we pick up picks, move back in hopes of getting one of the two? Or do we just go get our guy? Just go get that guy. Will Anderson, who quietly, quietly, I didn't realize he had 15 sacks this year, bro. It was just like hush, hush. Like he's been better. Absolutely. It, it, it don't make sense. Double <laughs> teams, chips and goes. Yeah. Don't know. All of that. He's still putting in work. Man. Our guy, John Garcia, State of Recruiting on CFB Nation. Go check out all his great content over at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It is CFB Nation. No one does it better. No one covers college football better than CFB Nation. So, bro, tomorrow, today is crazy. Tomorrow is going to be even crazier. But I want to start with this. I want to start with this because this is something that athletes were ecstatic about when all of the opportunity came out, transfer rules were changed, NIL came into existence, and they looked at the positive side. But maybe some of these guys didn't really think about the other side and the control that was going to be given to these coaches. And I point to a new coach that walks into Boulder and meets with his team and stands before his team, and I quote, this is crazy. I don't want to get in the game and find out I got Jane when all offseason I had Tarzan. <laughs> Deion Sanders, no he let the players know, hey, when I come back from this championship game, some of y'all ain't going to be in this program. That's right. And that's a harsh reality. And he said, and I'm bringing and I'm bringing people I'm, with me. That's right. And he said, oh, dude over there, he said, yeah, that's my quarterback. That's my quarterback. Yo, immediately, just immediately. at the press conference. I don't, don't, know, don't know if I've ever seen that. That was like um, that was like an uh, any given Sunday at the end of the movie. Al Pacino goes to the expansion team and he has Jamie Foxx, Willie Beeman as his quarterback at the press conference. Everybody's like, "What you mean?" Right. It's no different than, than Diddy and nepotism with his son in the rap game. I mean, he's boosting his son like he's the new Jay Z, and Dion and nepotism in football is coming. This is the prime example. He's not making it no. Uh, marks about it. This is Daddy Ball one on one. My son, who is good, who definitely deserved to be at Colorado, but that's my starter day one. We're not even gonna play around with it. <laughs> you can say you can say a lot about him, and look, everybody will, right? It's already kind of ridiculous on the negative end, but you know where you stand, and he is letting you know where he stands immediately. And as much as we want to empower the players when it comes to them hitting the portal and nil extra years and not sitting out and all these things we're giving them the benefit of the doubt to make adult decisions you got to face the other side of that too right you have to face the side that says man this guy's coming in and saying like hey nice to meet you colorado football team half of you won't be here and the more the merrier because now i have more room to hit the portal and recruiting as much benefit of the doubt as we give the kids to make the good, the good and positive decisions, we got to give them that same platform and and ha- hold them to the same level of accountability when it's tough, yeah. When it's harsh, because that's the other end of this this business, and the, it's fitting that it's Portal Monday, right? Because there's like seven hundred, literally seven hundred players in the portal already. 
Um, how many of them are not Seven going to? Yeah. How many? That was at 11. So it's 12. It's, it's been an hour. So we might be at 800 by now. How many of them aren't going to go upgrade like they think they will, uh, which we've already seen happen in other years. But again, that carousel last year, NIL last year, and just how much more movement is expected this year, that number, unfortunately, is, is going to grow. So you have to self-scout and, and, again, find your market. Are people calling your high school coach the last few weeks trying to figure out if you're going to be available? Are people calling your seven-on-seven seven coaches, your mentors, your teammates, whoever it is, your parents, uh, and, and trying to investigate you a little bit on the positive front? If not, you might not have that market you you might think you have when you hit the portal. Um, I mean, just think of the quarterback position, right? It all goes back to that one. Six of the ACC day one starters from this year are in the portal at quarterback. Six. And that number's probably growing, right? Um, I'm hearing more about some other guys, but, you know, your Learys, your Uyangalales, Keaton Slovis, Brennan Armstrong, guys who have records attached to their names at some of these schools – are looking to move on starters. So again, imagine how how much more narrow that quarterback market is by itself. Now you extrapolate that and compound it to all the other positions, and yeah, it's it's going to be nuts. So uh, I feel for those players, but at the same time, you're allowed to do so many more adult and life altering things on the positive end. You got to deal with the other side of that as well. Once again, John Garcia. Talking transfer portal and recruiting right here on the Lucky Lefty Podcast. He is the host of State of Recruiting. You can go over to CFB Nation, courtesy, or locked in with Apple Podcasts and Spotify, courtesy of CFB Nation in conjunction with Irish Breakdown. CFB Nation, no one covers college football like us. Look, one of the most amazing things that I saw, and Notre Dame fans might not like this, and you can put me on the petty trend, right? I don't think it was a shock that we saw a certain quarterback jump into the portal on Friday from Notre Dame. But I connected the dots. He was a big-time player in Connecticut. (laughs) Family's pretty well off. Live in Connecticut. And I look at SportsCenter after the Pac-12 game. They review the Pac-12 championship. And then they say, breaking news. Quarterback Drew Pine transfers from Notre Dame. I'm like, wait a minute, this dude made Sports Center. Hold up, wait a minute. Like, there's a whole bunch of quarterbacks in, in the transfer portal. This is the dude that made Sports Center. It's just amazing. I connected the dots. I'm like, okay, maybe your people called up some people at ESPN. Like, mm. man, let's put that out there. Hey, 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 I, I thought it was only a couple miles from Bristol. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I connected the dots. I'm like, man, that's good marketing. That's good marketing by your people. I like yeah, that, group. Yeah. I throw show love to you. But it's amazing that this market is so robust. But how fragile is it for these young men, John? John, Because it's only so many good situations out there. So you're really taking a chance as a quarterback putting yourself out there when the supply is so thick. It's a great question. Um, that's the position where obviously there's the least amount of spots available, right? I mean, yeah. you typically take, you know, one quarterback a year um, and your your quarterback room is at least three scholarship players, sometimes more, just depending on really depending on the portal, depending on how crazy it is to and from your school. So there's just not a lot of numbers to roll out there. And every single quarterback, especially if you're older than a freshman, like if you're not a teenage quarterback, 
and you've hit the portal in college football, you're going to try to start somewhere. I mean, that's that's the goal. Um, that number is is tiny. You're you're talking what 65 power five schools and every power five quarterback and independent like Notre Dame, you want to go in at that level. But you start to think of the other names we just mentioned. Uh, six ACC starting quarterbacks are in there, right? We've talked Hudson Card. Caden McNamara has already come off the board, which, by the way, that's going to be another thing. These dominoes are going to start falling quickly because there's so many other good quarterbacks that they're like, hey, we got to jump on these spots because they're going to be filled because you're normally not going to bring in more than one transfer QB. Um, at least if you want success, you're not going to bring in more than one. So, yeah, that market is incredibly narrow. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but, um, you have to think once it gets beyond 10, 10 players with experience at the position that you feel like have a chance, it, you're, you're starting to think it's too much um, for the Drew Pines of the world. No disrespect. Limited physical skill set is what it is, um, especially it's like you want to bring in players with experience. Right. So the more experience and snaps you have, the better understanding these other schools might have for you. Yeah. But at the same time, if that experience hasn't been extremely productive or successful, now it's a detriment. Now it's like, well, he had all this time and it's still X, Y, Z. So it really does work both ways in, in, in that regard. And when you have a limited physical skill set, I think it, it kind of curbs the market even more because it, at, a, at a minimum, if you were a dual threat or you could present something else, you'll get more benefit of the doubt. I think of Robbie Ashford, like number four QB at Oregon, goes to Auburn, and it's like, man, when he transferred, they already had a couple transfers in. I'm like, man, is he even going to play there? Injuries happen, and just, you know, lack of explosiveness on offense happens, and they're like, you know what? At a minimum, he can he can tote it. At a minimum, he can challenge a defense with his legs, and that kind of saved the perception around the the end of Auburn season, combined with Cadillac Williams and all of that great energy. I actually um, like the way he played against Alabama. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I know Robbie. That spread of his legs changed everything. He needs to go to Auburn first because he can because he's a hometown kid. He's from he's from that area in Alabama. I told him he should go there, and he's really a fit for that type of play. Him going out west is no different than me thinking of Dante Moore going out west. What you going out there for? You know, ain't nothing out there for you at Oregon as as your style of quarterback, your style of play. And it proved when Robbie came back, he fit in just right. Just right. But it goes back to, like you said, that transfer portal with all those starting quarterbacks, it's not going to be the shuffle that they think it's going to be. It's 700 people in there. I can only imagine. It's and, not, a, not a fun time. Not a fun time for transfer portals. So, John, for most of these programs, there are only a select few out of all of the programs in FBS. How many are really focused on recruiting being the foundation of their programs moving forward? Because I think it's getting smaller and smaller. It has to be. Very much smaller. Um, a lot of the successful turnarounds in the last few years have been – Heavily portal influence, right? You can look at Mel Tucker, Michigan State. Um, you can look at Lincoln Riley this year at USC. That's probably the best example. Um, Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss the last couple of years. They've embraced it, and they haven't tried to hide it at all. Um, I saw 10 minutes ago, I saw the Ole Miss football account tweet, hashtag transfer to the SIP. It's totally embraced there. Um, so those programs are going to be more 50-50, right? Um, you, you might even lean towards the portal 
more than high school recruiting overall. Um, so I do think that number is growing. I think programs in that direction, that number is going to grow. Um, the schools that have been there and done that from a winning standpoint won't have to do that. But, you know, how much do you embrace it? Right. We expect it a little bit more each year. I feel like, you know, Clemson was this school that never dealt with transfers in or out. Right. For the most part, I saw they've already got eight guys in there in, in the portal exiting. So at one point, do you adjust your own strategy and say, hey, we've never really done this. But when do we start opening up a little bit more? And I think all of the schools at the top of the pyramid have to at least consider it more than they ever have because it's just going to be the nature of today's game especially with all these factors we talk about right with nil just all the availability to move around as a player uh you've got to embrace it at some point because depth is is still especially now with the season getting longer and longer with the playoff coming uh, out to 12 teams in a few years depth is going to be a thing i mean look at the nfl right now the 49ers are like the super bowl favorite and they're now on their third string quarterback after yesterday. So depth at every position is going to be uh, uber critical. So would, do you want that to be an 18 year old who's fresh out of you know high school ball in Ohio? Or do you want it to be this, this quarterback who has started 12 games mm -hmm. at another school? Maybe not so successfully, but at least we, we know he's been in the fire to a degree. Um, so I think all, every school has to consider it a little bit more, even those that traditionally haven't to this point. Um, I think Clemson's probably the best example, but yeah, Notre Dame is kind of in that group, very spot recruiting uh, style uh, in the portal. Maybe that continues to evolve under Marcus Freeman. I, I'm assuming they'll be in the market for a portal quarterback, maybe two uh, this time around. So I think that will be a great first step um, in, in that direction. But yeah, it's something every school's got to think of a little bit more. And I think that's kind of the scale. If you've you've been to the mountaintop, you still are very much high school development uh, based. But as you try to get there, you become more transfer portal dependent. So it becomes almost 50-50. So I think that's kind of the general scale. I think we all agree that Pandora's box is open. <laughs> and now we're just finding out about everything that existed within. And I think one of the things with signing day being two weeks after the transfer portal, coaches have to have transparent conversations with these recruits yeah. about who they're bringing in. You know what I'm saying? Especially if you're bringing someone in in well, a position that a yeah. guy has committed to you. Now you have to go and retain this kid and have an honest conversation about who you're deciding to bring in at that position. It's, it's going to be very interesting over the next two, two and a half weeks, man. 100%. And now, and it's it's like you can't hide it anymore either, right? We know the ball has always been in the court of, of these coaches and these programs, and they've been able to kind of navigate both, right? Whether it's holding on to a coach until signing day just because he's got relationships and then you fire him, or trying to get a kid on campus on the low, very hard to do nowadays. So imagine trying to do that with a transfer at a big-time position. Imagine Devin Leary trying to sneak on your campus, right? It, it, he's going to get noticed at some point. Uh, and now your quarterback commit is like, hold on now. what what What's going on with this? This is a really good player who's who's now all of a sudden available. So it is something to to absolutely uh, keep an eye on. And, and yeah, that transparency, like Dion has kind of approached it, even though people don't like it. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what it needs to be. Schools need to, to nudge those recruits and say, hey, you might want to take a couple visits here down the stretch. we got a couple more weekends. Um, explore it because we don't know 
with the portal, we don't know what those scholarship numbers are going to look like in this recruiting class. Some schools are going to sign 30 kids two Wednesdays, three Wednesdays from now. And some schools are going to sign like 12 from the high school ranks. I mean, it's going to be that wide of, of a gap. So yeah, schools need to be pretty transparent about the plan, at least in principle, to keep these kids' uh, best interests in mind. Because I, I feel more for the high school kid, obviously, than than the college kid, because most of the time that group and the people around that person don't have as much knowledge and information on the business end of this thing. And a lot of them can get left in the dark at the 11th hour. You know, the days of not sending a kid a letter of intent, even though he's been on your commitment list for six months, those days, those days should be over. Although we're only a couple years removed from the last time I saw stuff like that go down. So hopefully that's totally in the past. And that's kind of the first step of, of being more, transparent in the process but it's there's still a lot of movement that's going to happen so uh who's to say these coaches even know what their plan is going to be come december 21st it, it could get that crazy what does a guy like Dion do you see the news reports of over 204 and five star guys reaching out from trey saunders in alabama to everybody in between with him bringing guys in especially having his quarterback being his son for a first year and what Prime's dealing with, I think this is something even harder than just coming and being the head coach of a first year because you're remanaging a whole roster with guys that want to come. Yes. So the evaluation process and, and, your, and your front office now, I'm calling it front offices, they got a lot of decisions to make in that recruiting side. Yeah, imagine how much they're going to have to do personnel-wise before they ever coach a practice or a game <laughs> or any of that stuff, right? Hey, hey, this is our scheme. Before we introduce our scheme to you, <laughs> we've got to reassemble this entire roster in, in very short order. Yeah, it'll be fascinating. Um, like I said, transparency has to be a part of it. But yeah, you've got to you've got to try to manage it the right way. So those 200 kids that are reaching out, respond respond to them. It might take all day and all night. Respond to them. Uh, I mean, they got to commit from a young receiver IMG. who's never been to, to Boulder, but he didn't care. He right. didn't care. So, yeah, you talk about interest. It's about as tangible as it gets anywhere Dion is. And now that he's in the P5, yeah, everybody should should kind of uh, be on alert in that regard. But, yeah, it doesn't make his job that much easier. Um, he could He could care less of the speculation based on the, the road he's got ahead, just in terms of the work he's got to put in. So I think that's part of the reason why I think we're starting to see reports of two, three, four Jackson State assistants coming with him because, yeah, he's he's going to need some help, and he's probably got to put together an entire staff uh, maybe as quickly as, as anyone has ever done it because it's it's quite the overhaul that that's going to go down in, in Colorado with that interest relative to what they already have on the roster. It should be fascinating, and, again, you feel for those kids on both ends of that spectrum. And you talk about fiscal responsibility that is lacking. Colorado AD Rick George was asked, man, do you have the money to make this happen? He was like, we don't have the money. I'm going to find it. <laughs> we'll figure like, it dude, out. Like, no, we, we're spending it without having it. We're yeah. spending it and we don't have it, but I'll make sure we find it. It's going it's gonna to come around somewhere. We don't teach our kids to spend and you don't have it. But in this new landscape, Rick George is like, hey, to get him, that's <laughs> what we're going to have money. Absolutely. Salute to them for that because look look how smart that looks now. Like with the Louisville job coming open today, 
hello, that would have been a huge yeah. Deion Sanders buzz pool in and of itself, just like Georgia Tech, just like Cincinnati, just like Auburn at one point, even USF. That would have easily been in, in his footprint, in his wheelhouse, to at least you know be in the mix for. So I'm sure, even though that money isn't quite right, I'm sure that AD is taking another big sigh of relief because a pretty decent job just came open in the in the P5 that would have been among those linked to Dion. But now that's all done. So yeah, you could figure out the money later. Obviously, there was um, there was faith on both sides of of that equation. Um, so one of the benefits of of bringing in someone who financially kind of knows his own market and value and isn't as worried about it as that other up and comer um, probably probably helped out in that situation. But yeah, Colorado is, has been bold, uh, no pun intended, uh, to the to school in Boulder. There, they've been bold every step of this way, and I think that's what it's got to take to make that program relevant because we haven't talked about them in, in quite a while. How volatile yeah. is it going to be? on these college football teams and landscapes during the years of the season next year with so many guys just leaving outright, trying to get in early. If they don't like the situation right away, how hard is it going to be for coaches to have transparent conversations throughout the entire season? Cause guys can leave at any point. And how much of a free agency is it going to turn into if guys are, you know, are they going to have to start bringing in guys every Tuesday to work out like the NFL? Because <laughs> yeah. it's getting ridiculous with guys that like Texas A&M, everybody and their mama is leaving at one time. So that's a lot to replace. And then not to mention you get in season, guys want to leave before deadlines. I mean, how do you see it for the on staff and on the team? I mean, Dion just went there and told the whole team, half of y'all not going to be here. <laughs> I, I reached out to a player I know on that team on Colorado, and I said, "Man, how how was that that meeting?" And he said, "Wild is an understatement." He was just totally blindsided, like I can't believe what's happening here. And he's young, so hopefully he's got a chance. But yeah, there's everyone's on alert to say the least. But look, I think the two words you said a couple questions ago, Malik, it's the front office. That's the group now that if you're if you're a coach. On that side of the coin, right? You're on the behind the scenes recruiting staff, player personnel, GM, whatever you want to call it. Your value is increasing. Not only um, are you more important from a communication standpoint, right? Because you can initiate phone calls to everyone year round, all that stuff. But now you've got to maintain your own roster on top of that. So now your staff has to kind of build that out. So I think we're going to start to see people assigned to their own roster exclusively in college football right now everybody dips in a little bit right well i'm the director of player personnel but i also you know help help guys stick around but really i'm, I'm here to recruit and then you see on the other side oh, i'm the general manager i'm more here for the current roster and i moonlight as as a recruiting assistant i think that's going to have to separate i think you're going to have to have part of the front office support staff whatever we want to call it totally dedicated to the current roster and another staff or another group totally dedicated to recruiting. And then a third group probably dedicated just to the portal. I, I've just to the portal for, for S and G's to not curse on here. I was looking on some of the, you know, these, these colleges post their, their open jobs on LinkedIn and indeed and all of that, like, like Wisconsin's offensive coordinator job is like posted publicly. So people can apply as if they have a chance to, to get the job. There's a few personnel jobs on there. And all of them say 
you will dip into every element of the program. Like there's no more specific role at this time. So I think the schools, again, that have the most resources, that have the biggest staffs are going to be better equipped to handle that. Because if you're if you're Nick Saban or Marcus Freeman or Dabo Sweeney or Billy Napier, you can say, hey, you five, um, you guys are only responsible for our current roster. So those 85 scholarship players, check in with them every 48 hours personally, nothing to do with football. And just check in on them. How are you doing? How's it going? How was class? Like, let's check in on the human side of this thing so we can get a, a better understanding of, of where these kids are from a decision-making standpoint. Because a lot of these kids are making decisions without the schools knowing because they don't have to go through the coaches. Yeah, They go straight to compliance. That's that's one side of the portal. You go straight to compliance, and 48 hours later, you are in it. You're in the portal. And you've seen coaches caught off guard at press conferences 10 minutes before their presser the kid tweets out he's in the portal, and then now reporters are asking the coach, hey, you know, Blase Johnson has jumped in the portal. Uh, what do you think? And the coach is like, well, uh, we wish him well. I mean, what is he going to say at that point? So I do think that's a, another part of the process that has to be figured out because uh, some of these kids, we talk about those who are going to jump in and not have as much of a market, and they maybe have to play at a lower level. There's probably a percentage of kids in the portal right now that were going to have increased roles at their current school. They were going to take a step in the right direction. Or the, the other side of the portal is, you know, we have seven scholarship receivers or whatever the number is. Four of us have now hit the portal. Well, guess what? At my school, I'm now the number three on the death chart. I'm the worst guy here, right? So now, you know, there's, there's situations like that where there's a, probably a lack of awareness of who else has hit the portal. So I think all those in-house groups are going to have to start focusing on that all year round, not just right now, all year round, because it's going to be something that we have to talk about day in, day out on, on the roster management side of things. So what do you think about the benefit though of like, is there a benefit for starters like a Devin Leary to go into the portal? It's different than how Caleb Williams went in because his coach left. So you knew he was going to follow that route, but the starters, is an interesting thing to hit the portal because I don't know if you can get much better than starting. <laughs> yeah. How could you? Right. I mean, they 2021 for Devin Leary was magic, right? Broke a bunch of records, um, had NC state it, threatening double digit wins, uh, really put everyone on notice and was supposed to follow that up in a big way this year. Of course he got hurt and, and all that stuff. I think that it, it's twofold, right? Because you, you guys mentioned, Will Anderson's agent or whoever kind of being on the phone like, hey, gear it down. <laughs> on the other side of that, two things. One, it's a really good year for quarterbacks in the draft, right? So I think that's the front end of it for for Devin Leary. And two, maybe maybe those same people are on the phone like, hey, um, you need to prove that you can go into maybe a different system or you need to prove how quickly you can learn a new system. Maybe that is an example that you can show the NFL that you haven't just yet. And maybe that could be the final box to check. Because I think, like you said, from, from a winning, from a, a physical arm decision-making standpoint, we know who Devin Leary is. So how much more can he really help himself? But maybe it becomes a long-winded business decision where it's like, hey, we want to see how you adjust to a new offense or a different offense or different personnel or terminology. Sometimes that can play a big part in it, but it's still a risk. It's still a huge risk. Look at Keaton Slovis. He leaves USC and we're like, that's going to be a nice quarterback for somebody. He kind of lit it up, broke out as a true freshman. This is going to be nice. 
He'll propel himself into the NFL come the spring of 23, and, and he'll be you know a Sunday player for a little bit. Didn't work out at Pitt. They changed their entire offense. He looked vulnerable, and now he's in the portal again looking for another fresh start, I guess. I mean, it's it really works both ways. But if he had hit the ground running like we all thought, he'd be getting ready for the combine as opposed to calling college coaches, seeing if, if they've got a spot for him. So it, it works both ways. But it, if it trends the right way for Devin Leary, uh, he can now add one more layer to that evaluation. But uh, it's it's hard to beat what you've already put out there for sure. John Garcia joining us, John, before we let you go. Um, like you said, Notre Dame is in the market for a transfer quarterback. I think the biggest question now that we know Drew Pine will not be in the spring battle with Kenny Minchie, Steve Angeli, Tyler Buckner, and whomever else joins the program. How much pressure is on Tommy Reese and Marcus Freeman to get it right? Like, because there's a big supply, but you got to go get the right guy. And are they looking for a starter or are they just looking for somebody that can come in and compete? Like, I'm interested to see how they go about making this decision on who they bring in. A ton of pressure, Sean. This is make or break level pressure to me because as as the Marcus Freeman era continues, you've got to – there's a certain level of maintenance, right? i got to maintain the floor of what we have seen at, at Notre Dame, right? We've got to be a 10-win team, big bowl games, all that stuff, right? But on the other side, we've got to now try to hit a higher ceiling. Can we – can we now get over the Brian Kelly hunt with the winning the big game? Yeah. And a lot of that goes again, perceptionally to me, a lot of that goes to where we've seen Notre Dame vulnerable, right? Quarterback skill position receiver in particular, those spots. Um, so imagine that magnifying glass when you attach that to the offensive coordinator and QB's coach, that was a huge commodity at this time last year, right after Brian left, it was like, Okay, what about Tommy Reese? Almost independent of Marcus Freeman. What about Tommy Reese? It was a big deal to retain him. So now that stuff has to start to prove itself. You've you've checked the boxes from a recruiting standpoint. The next two cycles at quarterback, that's already done, which is an advantage. But you got to hit on the transfer on top of it. I think you can go grab a safe quarterback for sure and and assimilate into that, that lazy Notre Dame perception of, hey, He's a game manager. He's smart. He's not going to turn it over, which which is fine. But if it's about national titles, you've got to hit. You've got to hit on a guy who maybe has shown some flashes but hasn't fully put it together, and your system has to be the difference. Think of like a Michael Penix who was at Indiana where you saw flashes. They they you know beat Penn State, what, last year, two years ago? Big deal, high, high moment for him. But it was never consistent after that. Goes to Washington, and he's like – setting records everywhere. Uh, he announced he's coming back, by the way. So that'll be fun in the Pac-12. So now you've elevated a, a, a name that we already kind of liked and knew. Can Tommy Reese be associated with that? And now, as literally as of today, there's a lot of options here. There's a lot of options to hit on. So if it was a year where there wasn't a lot of great QBs in the portal or a lot that didn't have experience, maybe something like that could could help you uh, have a larger margin for error, but there's 10 to 12 FBS and power five starting quarterbacks that are going to be available 
at some point in the next few days. So you have to hit on one of those guys and it's, it's gotta be to come in and start immediately. Um, if, if you compete with a Tyler Buckner, let's say, and he's just too intriguing to leave off the field, that's okay. But now you better hit on Tyler Buckner in 2023 and he yeah, better he be the difference. <laughs> he got hit on something. <laughs> he, he's gotta be the difference now. So these decisions are, are extremely critical and are going to make or break Unfortunately for Tommy, they're going to make or break his kind of next step at Notre Dame, whether or not he's at his ceiling or if that's still TBD. You know, I think that answer is coming in the next 12 months. Ladies and gentlemen, John Garcia, Jr., CFB Nation, State of Recruiting host, best recruiting show in the land. It's not even close. It's not even close. He has me itching every week, like, when is it dropping? And when is it dropping? Yeah. Give me that hit. He's the best in the business. Go follow him right now and go get all of his great content, courtesy of Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CFB Nation. Right now, it's available. You just dropped a new show this weekend, right? Yes, sir. We, we just recorded another, too. So we've got uh, the whole Dion Colorado pod. My expanded thoughts there will be dropping in the next 24 hours. And then we got to probably have a, an episode just for the portal. I mean, it's yeah. become so wild uh we're, we're going to do a lot more portal stuff uh on cfb nation so that will be extremely fun as we also adjust right like these coaches we got to adjust yeah. our content strategy as well yeah. so we're going to talk portal a lot and then of course signing day is 16 days away on top of all of this so it'll be busy at, at the state of recruiting so i appreciate the shout once yeah, again right. john garcia jr cfb nation state of recruiting host right here following john garcia underscore jr on twitter hey we'll let you go i know it's a busy time but we appreciate you jumping on with your brothers likewise Likewise. thanks for having me have a great rest of the show we'll see you soon that's our brother john garcia jr right there joining us we got a bunch of super chats to get to but something in the chat sparked and we could talk about this because john talked about it uh conversation about the transfer quarterback and going after the big fish and luck you can speak to this as well uh Jaden bellamy freshman defensive back jumped in the portal let me say that again freshman defensive back Jaden bellamy jumped in the portal um just adjustments man and you can get to this later how difficult it is to adjust academically and just culturally at Notre Dame. It's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. And it's a difference coming up for a visit in the spring, being totally focused on watching practice and talking to the players and the coaches, and then like integrating yourself into the life and adding in the rigors of the academics in Notre Dame. It's it's a culture shock for a lot of young men. And you know, it's, that's why the, the young men that stick around and persevere. That's why they become so tough and so successful, man, because it really motivates you, cultivates you, and gets you to be the best you can be as a young man. So when we talk about this, I'm going to say this, man, because a lot of people have been talking about what Notre Dame needs to do in the NIL, what they need to do transfer. I don't push back. I've never said they don't need to do something, but they're not about to do what everybody else is doing. That's not who they are. It's yeah, it's too it's too much of a different kind of school. This is not like you're transferring to a Colorado where you can no. just go and implant yourself no. uh the next week and just 
have a college experience. I think Notre Dame, even with all the football rules and the football schematics changing, it's still Notre Dame, which means it ain't meant for everybody. We've seen the best athletes come and go and some not finish. Yeah. And a lot of that is just the culture and the intensity in every aspect of life. Like you think the football is intense. You got your day-to-day intense, your scheduling intense, your routine is intense. And there's not a lot of off days. Like you said, David Shaw said it perfectly. You only get two weeks off as a, a college football head coach where you get about a week if you're a player. And because all the other times, especially nowadays, between trying to figure out your NIL and figure out your workout schedule in the off season and figuring out your class schedule, this is not an easy transition. And that's why you see the guys that we've taken in the transfer portal be yeah. guys that can make the adjustment as well on the lifestyle change that you're going to have to embrace being at Notre Dame from uh, what it's asking you of. I'm sure at Texas A&M, they were just asking them to be football players, which made it easy to leave. At a place like Notre Dame, they're asking you so much more, which is why you have more guys returning like a Cam Hart who understands the value and, and the sacredness of trying to stay there as long as you can. <laughs> I think I think when you leave, you start to the, the veil starts to come down around you and you see like, oh, this is a lot more uh of a wild, wild west than you're getting at Notre Dame. You're gonna have a very uh strong culture environment, a team setting to where they're embracing guys that are transferring. And I'm sure Brandon Joseph at a time loved uh, the embrace he got when he made the decision to come to Notre Dame and what it brought. But at the end of the day, as much as we're excited about the transfer portal, we still got to get guys that fit. And that's why fit is so important, not only in transfer portal, but even in recruiting, going to the place that fits the right skill set for you. Man, you know what? On top of that, let me let everyone know that there – I think there are conversations taking place. I think Marcus Freeman is not only looking at his roster, but he's looking at the entirety of the program and the landscape of college football and having conversations with Jack Swarbrick about what he needs. And what he needs is for the program to evolve in these spaces, in the NIL space. There needs to be evolution. Um, in the transfer space, there needs to be evolution. Maybe you can't take the junior transfer, but maybe you're allowed to take the freshman transfer, right? Because most freshmen are basically taking um, the required courses, right? They're not getting into the core courses. I mean, the courses of the majors. You're basically taking your math. You, so it's easy to transfer in that because it won't conflict with the academic requirements as much as if they stay to the school two or three years. And then it's like, okay, we can't accept these credits. We can't accept these credits. So it's a little bit easier maybe to get a freshman transfer in. Grad transfer, cool. I mean, but you have to be able to bend a little bit in some areas to say, okay, we're going to stand strong on this. Like, I'm cool with you saying, look, these credits don't line up, and we're not about to uh, lessen our standards to receive these court, these classes and give credit for them. I'm cool. So if you want to forbid the juniors coming in, 
and maybe even some sophomores, but you're open to the freshmen and the grads, okay, that's progress. That shows me you're evolving. If you get involved with the collective, and like we said, things are going to change at the beginning of the year. They're already working on that from an administrative standpoint. That's what you want to see. People that are sitting here hammering Notre Dame, talking about you need Notre Dame is not about to do some BBL type stuff. We hitting that gym. Yeah. In the training. So anything Notre Dame does in NIL or when it comes to transfers is going to be all natural. And it's all going to be a natural evolution. This is not a quick fix. It's not a plastic surgery. It's no, no, ain't no Brazilian butt lifts coming like everybody else. Yeah. That's not happening. Looking like Tennessee, getting deflated and stuff. Right. Bad All surgery. A year later, everything is dropping in the back. No. No. Yeah, and, and and that's a that's a crucial point because it, it it keeps our character intact. It keeps what we do the best intact, which is develop great character guys that that four for forty really stands on, and it affects recruiting a lot because some of these guys got three four years. Yeah. <laughs> left in the transfer portal. Yeah, I don't know if Marcus Freeman wants to commit to a transfer portal guy for three or four years, which could affect some of the quarterback. I mean, Hudson Carr has three years left. Phil Dracovic got about two years left. Keaton Slovis got about a year or so left. So a lot of these guys, even though they're starters and, and high-profile guys, you know, it's just going to be real peculiar how we go about choosing who we want at that position. Now, all the other positions, I think it's a little bit of a frenzy, but I think it's going back to what people don't know about Notre Dame is that every year your, your scholarship is based on one year. <laughs> they just give you the other year. They don't, you know, but technically you have to sign every year to have a scholarship at Notre Dame. Like you got to sign four times. It's like so a I'll year with a team time. option. Yeah, yeah. It's So, so now that's way more way more of a of a uncertainty is that that one year you really have to earn that year to year yeah. uh, base at Notre Dame because Marcus Freeman is showing you early and often that hey uh I might have to pull you to the side at the end of the season and say you might not make it to the to the, to the trans uh to the crossover for next year you might have to look somewhere else because it's such a win now culture Marcus Freeman understands 10 wins is, is something that it has to be a must or a standard. Nowadays at Notre Dame, you're going to have to get guys that are ready to play. So like our, our great, um, how we talked about earlier, you're going to have a nice balance of veteran guys that are ready to play and, and player development that's ready to play the next year. So how that's going to affect uh, recruiting, how that's going to affect your roster management, it's a whole nother job, which is probably why Marcus Freeman got to get a pay raise if we win 10 games next year because managing uh, your quarterback situation with what you recruited and what you've told them to what you're trying to bring in and trying to make that meld together to find a guy that can be a two- to three-year starter ideally is what you probably would want, a two- yeah. to three-year starter. You don't want to go year-to-year just because it, you need to build something to have something to stand on. But also, just in general, you have guys that want to come back. Uh, coming back may be harder than getting transfers because, you know, if you're not feeling uh, what that role is, you know, they got options out somewhere else. So uh, I think Marcus Freeman is probably in the toughest years of what a college football coach has to deal with, uh, as well as coming back 
for the next year, trying to make a splash, man. And it's going to take everybody included, especially uh, Tommy Reese. I mean, there's way, there's no more excuses left. No, no. more excuses not to have a top five offense because you got all the pieces in the transfer portal. You got pieces on your roster. You got guys coming back. You got the only thing you got to fix is your development in the position in which you're asked to develop. And that's the quarterback situation. You do that, uh, Notre Dame can be off and running to have a high success next year. Lucky Lucky Podcast. We spin it different. I couldn't have said it any better than you just said it, bro. Like, yeah, there needs to be change. Marcus Freeman is having the conversations with Jack Swarbrick. He's aware. He's aware of what's happening around him, just not on his campus, but in the college football landscape. And like you said, the pressure is on. Because this isn't just a guy, oh, let's just go add to the roster. No, you need to go get it. You need to go get a dude. That's going to play. A quarterback. Yeah, situation because you know you had a transparent conversation with your starter for most of the year, and he decided to leave. Your starter, you know, he st- he decided to leave based upon the conversation. So either he didn't, I guess he didn't like what he heard. Yeah, I think uh, what's interesting about it is that. That conversation wouldn't have taken place with Brian Kelly. He probably would have been through the whole spring, whole fall camp, gotten to the day before the game, and then he's like, man, I I thought you knew Tyler was starting the whole time, you know, that kind of thing. So Marcus Freeman doesn't have time to waste or time to play around with uh, question marks on the roster. And I think Drew Pine having three years left because the additional one from COVID probably wasn't uh, too much of a, uh, a damaging thing to hear because he know he stole a good year from Notre Dame and being able to play scot-free with nothing behind or in front of you. And, you know, he made the most out of it. Got good tape, an audition tape uh, to go on and play somewhere else for three years. I mean, that's such an investment in a a reopening of recruitment. I mean, you know, Notre Dame, once again, is helping the quarterback more than the quarterback's helping them. (laughs) It's the the second damn near third year. But we keep boosting up these quarterbacks that wasn't boosting us up. And so I think Tyler, uh, I mean, I think Tyler Buckner's audition tape is his bowl game. You know, he's going to be able to go into this game, even though coming back from injury, but you better play good because that's definitely going to affect your future. No matter how much you think it's not, how much you think it's just a regular bowl game, this is an evaluation tape on, how seriously are we taking you as a starter next year and who we take as a transfer report? Are we taking two? Are you coming out there looking rusty like Deshaun Watson? We got to take two guys? Or are you going to come out there and really prove that, you know, you can settle? We, we we made a good choice by asking Pine to leave. I mean, asking Pine to reconsider. And we might take a guy that may push you a little bit, but we want to push you to be better to be our starter next year. Um, the belief in Tyler Buckner is is is, is sound like the ball's in his hand and the court is the ball's in his court, but uh, Marcus Freeman is not waiting on anybody either. So, you know, I think it's uh, this game means a lot more than what the fans may think it means. Uh, I think it's a great challenge defensively, but it's a great challenge for Tommy to see if he can can put something together for Tyler Buckner, where the two occasions he's had before has ended up in both injury. And, and not developed enough. So 
maybe this is Tommy's uh, <laughs> uh, audition tape to see what he can do with a dynamic quarterback that can actually do more than just take sacks and be five, six in the pocket. Left. That's a lot left on this paper in front of me as far as topics <laughs> yeah. and things to talk about. I, you think we need to do Owen another thing? We might have to. A little this. later? Because it's, it's a lot to get to today. <clears throat> we didn't really even dig in on Notre Dame, South Carolina. We didn't talk about Marcus Freeman and his visits. Uh, I got some intel on Charles Jagasaw, Christian Gray. You know, the the Notre Dame commits had their Zoom call with Chad Bowden last night. And he probably to told him nobody's safe. And go over the proper way and, to, you know, requirements for documents and all of that stuff. And, you know, guys were locked in. So it's a lot to get to that we didn't get to. So, oh, and another thing, probably tonight, 7 o'clock. We're probably gonna have to give you some more content tonight because it's just and and then you were supposed to break down uh, Jeff Sims and uh, and and us and Clark today, yeah. and we we can't, we can't even get to that. All right. This oh, is and another 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 thing. Oh, and another 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 thing. Yeah, we might have to get to all of that tonight at seven o'clock, man. All right, to stay ahead of the uh, content game. But I will say this. We wanted to avoid this purposely last week because we, man, we don't care about it. We laugh at petty stuff every day, but we really don't give a darn. Left has his reasons. My reason is I'm a grown man. Like, I just don't have time. <laughs> I'm just a grown man. I don't, I don't have time to give energy to what teenagers do. That's I just right. don't. It's you know, whether you agree or not, teenagers do stupid stuff and do stuff they want to do, right? So after the game, I was bombarded in my message message box on Twitter and some other places about, you know, Notre Dame fans taking shots at Caleb Williams and what was on his fingernails. That was my fault, Left. I hit the wrong buttons. It was back. Yo, we were going groove, that nice groove too. But no, the Caleb Williams situation, like I said, people were hitting me up talking about, you know, joking on them fans, joking about him losing his fingernails and all of that. Look, like I said the week before, we avoided it because to us it wasn't even a big deal. And it was a joke to me that we were talking about the fingernails of a teenager. Like, like what are we talking about? But this this is the problem I have with it. Number one, you can't hold college athletes accountable for doing things that college football makes money off of. <laughs> Let me explain. This is that holier than thou stuff. Yeah. Miss me with that. Yeah. Because as a parent that's always drugged to the bookstore, anytime I go visit my daughter on campus at USC. The first thing I see when I walk through the door is an F-U-C-L-A shirt with a Nike swoosh. That's right. Every time I go. And y'all want to talk about fingernails? Really? These are grown adults making this decision to make money off of this type of stuff. And it's not just USC. Because I've been on Notre Dame's campus and I've seen a Muck Fishikin shirt in green. 
Man, all the all the F Michigan shirts, I've seen them all. Ohio State got them. I've seen them all. I've been up to Michigan and seen derogatory t-shirts sold by University of Michigan when it comes to Ohio State. All the time. So let's not act like Caleb Williams is participating in something that he created. The whole landscape of college football is making money off of this. Everybody. So don't be a sore loser just because it was directed in Notre Dame. Relax. Relax. If you want to crack jokes on him because he got lost with that on his fingernails about Utah, have at it. Have at it. But all of this stuff about he's a punk and he's this. No, if he's a punk, Notre Dame's a punk. Mm. If he's a punk, USC and the administration are punks. Mm. Michigan and their administrations are punks. Ohio State and their administrations are punks. If, if that's what we're doing, we're going to keep the same energy across the board. That's right. Everybody gets the same energy. And I'm a Notre Dame fan. I'm a Notre Dame fan. Bro, we started this yeah. with the Catholic versus convicts. Yeah. And Take now we got back. the nerve as a fan base Take to get over the now. You remember that Catholic versus convicts? You remember that? You remember that? Because that's borderline kind of crazy. And Notre Dame fans (laughs) still revel in that T-shirt and still think it's dope. But we want to sit up here and act holier than thou when a kid has F Notre Dame and get mad because he actually beat us. Man, stop. Grow up. Grow up. Or win. Grow up. We got to win. Because if we won, it wouldn't have been a problem. Dude, crack jokes when he loses. That's no problem. But all that name calling and acting holier than thou, man, stop all that. Stop. Because there's nothing more uncomfortable in all of this than Catholic versus convicts. And we're going to keep it 100. If we're keeping it a buck, there's no T-shirt more uncomfortable in this total derogatory landscape than Catholics versus convicts. Yeah. Period. And y'all want to hold that as the standard, but then make this young man feel like he's done something so terribly wrong? Man, stop. And it's in his finger paint on the nails, man. Come on. Stop. Come on. What are we doing? The schools have it at the front door of their bookstores. That's the culture. That's the culture. (laughs) But we want to single out this young man. Come on, man. Stop. Stop it. That's why I wanted to avoid this, bro. Because as a Notre Dame fan, I was going to have put have to put call Notre Dame on the carpet. Yeah. I, if I'm gonna be honest about it, I have to call Notre Dame on the carpet. To truly talk about this. That was one of my first purchases as a parent to see my daughter at her first game with an UCLA shirt on. And she didn't go get it off the corner. Yeah. She didn't go get it at the Slauson Swap Meet. She got it from the USC bookstore. Yep. Now what? (laughs) But we want to act like, you know, how he's a punk. How dare he? Man, 
The dude beat y'all. He beat us. And we were mad about it. That's it. That's all. That's all it was. And when Cam Rising and Utah beat him down, we were happy. And we joked about it. And they joked about it when they won. Yes. They and it's all team. fair game. The joke, No problem with the jokes. Because if you yeah. put yourself out there like that, hey, you got to take the good with the bad, Caleb Williams. That's it. Roll with the punches, my dude. That's right. no problem with the jokes. But when you start calling this young man a punk out of his name, starting and trying to characterize him, and trying to mischaracterize him, like you don't even know him. You're trying to act like you know him off some fingernails? So what? So what? Most of you that have something negative to say were mad because you lost to him. Period. And I'll end it with this. As much as you're mad at him, if he jumped in a transfer portal, you would want him in Notre Dame. So stop it. Stop it. Stop it. I would want him at Notre Dame. Stop it. <laughs> if, he jumped, if Lincoln Riley went to the NFL and he jumped in the transfer portal tomorrow, you would want him as your quarterback at Notre Dame. I would. So stop. Stop all the fake outrage. Relax. Just relax. It's okay. We lost the USC. It stunk. Him having that on his fingernails made it worse. Cool. I get it. We got a chance to get back at him when he lost to Utah. Get back at him. Crack all the jokes. Say your little anecdotes. Whatever you want to do, you have the right. But stop short of being holier than thou. Because in this landscape of derogatory things from a apparel standpoint, Notre Dame created this. So relax. Yeah, we can talk to Phil about what Notre Dame created too. That that's another lucky podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Content courtesy of CFP Nation on Apple Podcasts. You're wild, dude. <laughs> <laughs> In conjunction with Irish Breakdown, it's the Lucky Lefty Podcast. We spin it different. So tonight we'll have another show. Because we got to. Because we got to. Now we have to add quarterbacks to the mix because you were doing Jeff Sims, Hudson Card. Now it's everybody. Kevin Leary (laughs) might have to be added in your breakdown and everything. So, man. uh, It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting and we'll dive more into South Carolina and some other things going on with recruits and Marcus Freeman and how this is the thing, how transparent Marcus Freeman is being with the recruits about what's about to happen with this roster. You you, you want to tune in. Yeah. Because that, for me, and talking to recruits, this. Yeah, it's gonna be Ooh. sticky, man. You think you think uh, evicting people from the house is tough? Just imagine evicting recruits from the team. It's another thing, man. Evicted, evicting players on the team. You can tell them your time here has ended. <laughs> so, like I said, if you want to condemn him, make sure you condemn Notre Dame at the same time. You know what time it is. Very good. Very good.
It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Now, are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's petty historic Petty Junction? Petty Johnson, Petty Stories of the Day brought to you by Anora Whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com, that premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. I want to say that we deserve to be on the Petty Train because our guy, Doma Wap, sent us a super chat that we missed on Friday. I talked to him after the show, told him I would rectify the situation today. <laughs> so Doma Wap, we apologize. His question ended up being one of the topics we discussed about administration, how they would change with the transfer and NIL situation. We discussed that specifically to make sure we answered your question. And he chimes in on the Caleb Williams topic. The real question should be, does he paint his toenails too? Look, man, look, guys have been painting their nails since I was in high school, bro. Yeah. So I, culturally, I don't, See what the big deal is. It's uh, you it's, know, it's, marketing, marketing at the highest levels, man. Sometimes you know you gotta get creative, and yeah. I don't know. I I wouldn't do it, but you know, it's just one of those things guys have chosen to cause attention with, and it's caused some attention. So. Right, Deion Sanders, my brother. You might end up winning the Petty Train of the Year, bro. <laughs> if you all have not seen his meeting with the Colorado football players, I felt bad for those young men in that room. It was like the Grim Reaper came in there and just Man. was in there slicing and dicing. He said, oh, yeah, 111, y'all ain't going to be here. Half y'all gone. I'm about to party like the Red Sea. Half y'all. And I'm bringing guys in. You see that guy over there in the back? Yeah, that's your quarterback. You got to earn it, I guess, but that's your guy. Yo. (laughs) Yeah, man. And and Colorado was a horrible football team this year. Yeah, it was bad. No mistakes about that. No mistakes. They were bad. But Prime, you didn't have to hit them that hard, bro. That dude said, I'm coming. He said, when I get back, I'm coming. <laughs> I'm coming for you. I'm coming for your scholarship. I'm coming for your scholarship. He said, jump in there, whatever you want to do. But when I get back, <laughs> this room going to be half empty. So <laughs> I think that's uh, that's the way you got to go into it. A 1-11 in 11 team have been good in two decades. Uh, it's a lot, a lot that he has to bring, but it's the Pac-12. So he's going to be a threat his first year. You're going to see a different team out there this first year. A lot of transfers, a lot of stuff he got to keep up with himself. So, you know, it's an overhaul of a program, and, you know, he just know how to make it look good in style. And them tough conversations is what everybody is having in college football. I can only imagine Marcus Freeman being the players-loving coach that he is got to really – uh. <laughs> Got to really break down some some stuff to some guys that probably wasn't even expected to leave the program or asking to lead a program. 
But that's why you got to get your front office right. You know, even more reason why you got to have a general manager and some front office guys to, to knock on your locker and say, I need your playbook. <laughs> it's got it's got to be like that because uh, we're trying to win. And we're not going to win by, you know, being nice to everybody. So, ooh, it's, it's getting it's getting real hot and heavy in that college football landscape. Wow. And hopefully guys can uh, find the right spot because it's getting real shady out there. David Jones chimes in and says, how many Colorado players did you see hitting the portal? Not I don't even think, as they, I don't think they're hitting the portal. I think they're getting kicked out. Just, <laughs> yeah, they won in 11, so they that much talent. Colorado players are getting evicted. They're not, it's not even up to them. But the way it sounded, he had already watched games, researched. Yeah. Checked so players dudes off. off the roster. No, you're not here. You're not here. Man. And like you said, left. if the reports are true and over 204 and five-star players have contacted him already, man, boy, that lets <laughs> you know the Aflac commercials went a long way, boy. <laughs> the Aflac commercials went a long way. They went a long way. Can you imagine that campaign is really about to get ratcheted up now? Oh, yeah. What? With him and Saban. Oh, heck yeah. They're going to really be commercials now. Oh, you're in the big, yeah. you're in the big league. You're in the big leagues now. Yeah. Yeah. It's about to get real big. Man, that is crazy, bro. Thank you, everybody that joined in today. Don't forget, go and grab our podcast each and every day. They drop at 3 p.m. Eastern. 2 p.m. Central Time, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We thank you for the support. The downloads continue to grow day by day, and we continue to climb the 5,000. It's because of you, LL Nation. You, man. It's only because of you that we're able to be the successful podcaster we are. You motivate us to find new ways to talk college football and Notre Dame football with you each and every day. It's the Lucky Lefty Podcast. CFB Nation in conjunction with Irish Breakdown, you already know we spin it different. So we'll post on social media for sure what time we'll get going tonight. It's going to be a hot show because this dude gets to tell you who is the best fit at quarterback in the transfer portal. That's right. We'll have the contenders tonight. Left is going to tell you what needs to be done. Right here on the Lucky Lefty Podcast. For Listen left, to your OC over here. OC QB. OC Luck. OC Luck. I'm telling you who's going to fit right. I'm telling you. Hey, man, have a great Monday. We'll tap in with you guys tonight. But most of all, until next time, you got to make sure that you spin it different. Well, I'll let you let.